Thanks for listening to the Dr. Drew Podcast on Podcast One. If you ever wonder why some people get really sick and others only have mild illnesses, well, part of the answer may be related to your gut health. A study published this year suggests that people with leaky gut or other gut symptoms may be at higher risk of certain illnesses. In fact, some of the immunity is clearly related to the bacterial flora of your gut. Why does this matter? Well, even if you do everything right, you will still be exposed to viruses and bacteria. It's not, you can't avoid that. And the severity of your illness could be affected by your gut health. A healthy diet, proper exercise, of course, sleep, vitamin C, zinc, other minerals may help. But there's also something you can add to your morning routine that will completely transform your immunity and protect you. And it tastes amazing. This is called Leaky Gut Guardian. Now, you might be thinking, do I even have a leaky gut? But studies show that nearly everyone has some mild form of this. And even if you don't, this product does more than just help with this one condition. Leaky Gut Guardian is the only formula that can repair compromised gut lining, help rebuild it with the right probiotics and prebiotics, and activate the four critical pathways for improved immunity. It eliminates bad bacteria, feeds the good bacteria, and gives you the immunity you need to hopefully fight off viruses. Comes in two flavors, chocolate carnivore and vegetarian vanilla. Simply start your morning by adding one scoop of it to your favorite beverage, coffee, smoothie, or even just a simple glass of water. It mixes well, it is seriously delicious, and you'll be helping repair your gut and improve your immunity with powerful prebiotics and probiotics. Power up your immunities today and try Leaky Gut Guardian risk-free by visiting bioptimizers.com. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S, bioptimizers.com slash Drew, and then use Dr. Drew to receive 10% off any order. You have a 365-day money-back guarantee. That is bioptimizers.com slash Drew. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dr. Drew Podcast. We uh, appreciate it very much that you support those that support the Corolla Pirate Ship. Uh, we try to select our supporters very carefully. And, um, you know, I really was thinking I, I might bring – I'm try to bring Christina P. over here for an episode of uh, Dr. Drew Podcast. I, I'd like you guys to go over and uh, check out After Dark. I think you, you would like it. You can get that over at uh, drdrew.com as well as the streaming show we do on a daily basis. Uh, and do check out the uh, Instagram. It's Dr. Drew Pinsky. I'm going to try to do more sort of live Instagrams there. Uh, let me go right to the phones and uh, start off with uh, David. David, what's going on? Uh, well, I'm a physician in South Florida, and since April, I've been using quercetin. Quercetin. Yep. I still don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, me neither. Uh, high doses, and it works great for getting rid of COVID symptoms. How much are you using? Um, Five hundred to thousand twice a day with daily dose. Until symptoms we were uh, disappear. Are you, are you taking zinc also? Nope, don't need to. Are, are you? Did you get COVID? Yeah, I've had it three or four times because I see these patients in my clinic. What, what kind of medicine? And you, every what, time, okay. I uh, you know symptoms are gone the next morning. What, what kind of medicine are you practicing? Internal medicine and preventing nephrology. I'm double boarded. And I, I'm a little confused. Do you get tested each time? And, and what are you doing that you're catching this thing four times? It's awful. But you, you've done well with it. But, I mean, it's just Well, terrible. I mean, I, I see patients. It's a very contagious virus. No, I understand. I, I mean, that's, you know, essentially how I got it. Um, but I, if I get it again, I'm going to jump off a building because it was just brutal. Um, I and, know. You but know. you didn't use enough quercetin, I don't think. Well, I'm wondering how it works by itself, Right. 
I'll tell you why. Why? Um, it's a very cool story. Uh, the nucleocapsid protein of every virus, yeah. uh, not just this one, uh, has <laughs> positive charges to bind to the RNA yep. or the nucleic acid. Right. And hydrophobic amino acids, fat-loving ones, to bury into the lipid membrane of the virus. Yeah. And and so the structure is that of a basic secretagogue, okay. which is a, a class of compounds that trigger a newly discovered receptor on the mast cell uh-huh. called the mass-related PPRX2 receptor. And, and they think and this is a, a turn, they think this is part of this whole syndrome. Out, yeah. Sorry, it turns out quercetin can block that sucker uh, with micromolar affinity. Interesting. So and now, see so here. Let's. I'm thinking about myself right now. I'm in this long hauler sort of phase. I don't know yeah. that I'm producing any virus. I think it's probably post-viral inflammatory, whatever this or injury, whatever I got. There's not much quercetin would do for me, is there? No, I, I've been using it for long haulers. Same, um, same dose. With, uh, I think if you started a gram twice a day and doubled up to a max of maybe three grams twice a day, I think your long hauler symptoms would disappear. Well, by I, the end of the weekend, I, I see no downside, and I'm looking for something to do. So, I, I might try it. Do you, do you have any other kind of? Um, I, I don't want to say alternative treatments because these are actually well established, but not a lot of people are using them. Do you? Do you? How about fluvoxamine or late steroids or ivermectin? Late any of that stuff you're using? No, the reason I had to use this was because I had an, an 18 year old asthmatic. Uh-huh. who I had to keep doubling his prednisone, and he kept getting worse. Uh-huh. I give him quercetin a gram twice a day, and 16 hours later, he's back to normal after being sick for a month. Huh. Well, I, I want that. I thought was going to lose him. That, yeah, I, I still have shortness of breath and weird pulmonary symptoms. I, I just figure I've got some sort of you know scarring or inflammatory or whatever. But uh, I'm... Quercetin seems like a no no downside uh, kind of move. So, Zero, yes, yeah, so. Zero downside. And, and do you, it would end the pandemic in a second. Do you, and do you take uh, and again? Do you take zinc with it or no? You don't have to because it's not yeah. the ionophore that's doing it. Right. It's this much more potent peanut allergy kind of effect that the virus is having. The other thing is that the spike protein that that's also has. Uh, basic secretagogue stretches, uh, where six out of fourteen or fifteen amino acids are basic. So I wonder whether the uh, anaphylaxis that people are seeing with the vaccine may actually be a form proust of of uh, the disease itself. It's a. It looks like it's a peanut allergy. So, in terms of this mast cell mechanism, you're talking about, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so yeah, that's one of the reasons I don't want to get the vaccine until I'm well out from this thing. Uh, do me a favor. Ta- I think it's dangerous. Yeah. You know, why anaphylax? I know. I know. Well, even Trust if it's me, 10 per million, you know, why be one of the 10? I, I, I totally get it. And I don't see much upside to getting the vaccine. I had my, uh, I did this thing called an Additic Score. It's a company I work for. And they did a full profile of antibodies. Uh, on on serum, and I have five different that they measured viral protein antibody levels that were off the chart. And my spike pro- right. my spike protein antibodies 
which the the scale for someone having been vaccinated is typically about fifteen to seventeen thousand. I was one hundred and seventy thousand in terms wow. of quantitative response. So I'm like, why would I take a vaccine? Why would I do that? Why would I take a vaccine from somebody else that needs it? Also, you know, right. Which which gets to the point that um, you don't treat peanut allergies with vaccination. Right. <laughs> you treat it with an epi. Well, you're 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 going and, all the way. You're going to the mat though with your your construct. Let's let's see. I'll try it. Okay, so let, do me a favor. Will you tag me on Twitter and I'll follow you and we can uh, DM a little bit about how this goes. Okay. Okay. Right, lovely. Thanks so yeah, much. Great talk to you, man. For taking my pleasure. Call. Yeah. Hey, by Bye. the way, hey, one more thing. One more thing. As long as I got a peer yes, on the line sir. here. Are you bewildered by what has happened to internal medicine during this outbreak? I am bewildered. I'm I bewildered by what's happening here. I, I worked out a way to prevent dialysis a quarter of a century ago, and nobody's heard of it yet. What, what does it say it again? If you goose people with Quinepril, you can uh, keep stage five patients. Who are supposed to go on the machine? Yeah, I've got one in Houston now who's been off for two and a half years. You're talking about an ACE high dose ACE inhibitor, Quinepril, a particular ACE inhibitor. Yeah. Not all are equal. So, so, but it's not that so much. That's interesting, and it. What I'm finding, and I find, I'm just bewildered by that our peers, which are board certified internists, are yeah. un. I was trained to study the evidence basis, review the literature, evaluate the literature, yep. apply it yep. to the best for my patient. But the literature only goes so far, and there's plenty of clinical situations where there is not clear orthodoxy, and that's when you use that fundamental knowledge to make judgment calls to improvise. I'm seeing internists scared shitless about improvisation right. while they wait for orthodoxy which may not arrive for six months. In the meantime, people are dying all over the place. Are you seeing that same thing? No, we're, we're run by lawyers now. It's well, not well, a lawyers, but it's a legal profession. I, I hear you. I, but, and that's where you, when you and I, you know, we're, we're peer age, you know, in terms of where our training was and stuff. And, and I think for you and I, that was the big force that was hanging over our head. But I've been drilling into this a little bit with other internists. And what I'm finding is they're all employees – of large hospital yeah. groups or large corporations yeah. who who they're scared of. They're, and, and they are setting these, I don't know what kind of standards, these clinical standards that that they have to follow lest they be fired. And that's why, – why have a doctor then? Just let the nurse practitioners do it. Don't bother with physicians, right? Well, I just got fired. I just got fired for using quercetin for COVID. Oh, there you go. What, what was your situation? Uh, a, a large and growing health plan that had decided right. uh, that hydroxychloroquine, azithro, and steroids were the way to go, and any and anybody who devi- deviated was not a a uh, health plan believer and would lose their job. And sure enough, I did. So weird, right? Ugh. Even though I, I invented a better protocol. And by the same token, when I talk to our surgical peers, they immediately grab on to this stuff. They immediately start improvising. And they apply it on their family and friends immediately, uh, and, and they're all well, in. The surgeons are all in, and they look at the literature well, that's inconclusive, right, and but, they draw their own conclusions. But they have a tradition of uh, publishing consecutive case series. 
Well, it's, and it's, we we internists have been discouraged. The only person who can ever publish anything is the head of a multi-million-dollar uh, randomized control trial. It, we don't have case reports anymore, like in the 30s. And surgeons, when things go wrong in the surgical field, they don't go, "What's the orthodoxy here?" They improvise and they solve the problems. And we somehow have decided we can't do that anymore, and that is weird. When when I was training internists, when I was teaching. This was the mm-hmm. main thing I was teaching about was thinking and, and improvising and tell, mm-hmm. me, tell me the literature landscape. And then what if you're wrong? What do you do? That was my big thing. Like if you're wrong, how are you going to think your way out of this? So mm-hmm. uh, now there's none of that. Now it's follow the guidelines. All right. Well, listen, a pleasure talking what to amaz- you. Go ahead. Finish up. What amazes me is 30 million cases and, and we don't have any other protocol. Right. Which is beyond. All right, my friend. Talk soon. Take care. All right, you too. Bye. Well, if you're depressed or feeling overwhelmed, anxious, I mean, who isn't these days? Uh, BetterHelp Online Counseling offers licensed professional therapists who are trained to listen and help with these issues. Anxiety, grief, depression, relationships, LGBT matters, trauma, anger, usual mental health problems. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your needs, and they get matched with your counselor in under 48 hours. Easily scheduled, secure video or phone sessions, plus exchange unlimited messages so you can communicate with your therapist at your convenience. Everything you share, of course, is confidential. I've referred people to BetterHelp. I've been very happy. I've heard great reports. And if for any reason you're unhappy with your counsel, you can request a new one at any time at no additional charge. Join the 1 million-plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced BetterHelp counselor. BetterHelp is an affordable option, and listeners get 10% off the first month with the discount code DREW. Get started today at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DREW. Talk to a therapist online and get help. Well, aging, of course, begins in our cells. Many aspects of our daily life can influence how well our cells perform and ultimately influences aging. Age-associated cellular decline, or AACD, is a time-related deterioration of the way our cells function, beginning in our 40s and accelerating in our 60s. Over time, our cellular processes become less efficient, which contribute to things like fatigue, reduce muscle strength, cellular defenses are down. To help address these changes, try incorporating nutrients that work on the cellular level into your wellness routine. Celtrient Cellular Nutrition is a breakthrough in nutritional products with cellular ingredients to target cellular performance. Celtrine is the first brand to provide a range of cellular ingredients, including nicotinamide riboside, urolithin A, and glycine plus N-acetylcysteine to help combat key sources of AACD. Visit Celtrine.com for more info and find out which Celtrine products are right for you. I'm using mine. Use code DrDrew10 for a 10% discount. Uh, this is Robert. Hey, Robert, what's going on? Hey, Dr. Drew. Uh, can you hear me? Okay. I loud and clear. Okay. Good deal. Um, Hey, I just wanted to call in. Um, I've been a big fan of your appearances on numerous shows and saw your tweet go out. So I'll try to be concise with this. Um, so just recently, probably over the past few months, um, my, uh, both my parents are living, um, as are my siblings and, for as long as I can remember, neither my brother nor I can remember literally a thing about our childhood, nothing, hmm. um, up until about we were, he's two years older, so I would have been like fifth grade, he'd be 
seventh-ish grade. <laughs> Say that again. That, I, I missed yeah, that. So wait, wait, wait. Say that again. <clears throat> Say that last part. Um, my brother, who's two years older, yeah. um, up until we, uh, up until he got to about the seventh grade, and I got to about the fifth grade. Prior to that, neither one of us really remember anything okay. about our childhood. Got it. Got it. Um, a few months back, my my mother had, you know, had told us that um, was discussing, you know, the first town that we lived in because we moved around a lot and that we were altar boys um, at the Catholic church in this small town. And we went to this Catholic school uh, right across from the church and had brought up that the priest um, of that church, uh, he's not dead, thank God, uh, but he was convicted of, you know, molesting countless altar boys throughout the years. Well, mind you, neither my brother nor I can remember. We don't know. You know, we're kind of so. At a so loss, you had no funny feelings when that all came forward. No, not until I started googling, uh, kind of researching it some more, and saw a picture of this priest. Uh. Um, and I'm not going to say a rush of memories came back, but a just a horrible unease came back when I saw a picture of him. All right. Um, have had, you know, years and years of, you know, just an intense disliking for the church. Um, I had substance abuse issues uh, up until about a year and a half ago uh, when I stopped drinking. Uh, There's just things that, you know, I know that my brother and I are, you know, looking for answers, probably myself more so than him. But part of this and what my wife is recommending is, for me to talk more with my parents about it. The problem I'm having, and I guess the point I'm trying to get at is both of my parents are, you know, elderly and especially my mother, she's very emotional and I don't want to drudge up a bunch of questions and stuff with them. That's going to almost even solidify this thought process in their minds because I know that they'll never be able to right what, why I get it why are we bringing them into this just to help clarify things for you or what what would the goal be of bringing them in I guess the goal of bringing them in would be be to get more details about our like time there over in the mm-hmm. town we lived in in Illinois only because there's things that I'm Again, I'm missing from memories to try to piece a lot of a lot of this together. I mean, hell, I ended up finding. She told me some friends that I went to grade the Catholic grade school with there. That I didn't recognize their names, but I found one of the guys on social media, and uh, he remembers me vividly. And so I'm trying to piece things together and like try to get more information. And I don't want to drag them into it. And yeah, I don't know. Tell me about your parents. Are, are they the kind of people that would want to participate in this conversation, or would it shatter them? I think it would shatter. All them. All right, then let's not let's not harm anybody. Right? Let's not do that. I, I don't think you gain right. much by it, and you hurt somebody else. And they're you know, but they were good parents. Oh, excellent! Yeah, like, let, I, let's let them let's let them go to their graves thinking that about themselves. And you can go all the other pathways to try to figure this thing out. But I will tell you, just generally, um, revivifying the trauma is not the important thing. 
the important thing is building the capacity to regulate the emotions that are surrounding the trauma. And, you know, recover, are you in a recovery program? I am. Yeah. And so recovery does a lot of that. And you sound pretty good right now. I don't feel the trauma from you. I don't feel anything, even though it's probably there. And I understand you yeah. have a not just a curiosity, but you want to understand your life more and, you know, make a, a cohesive narrative out of your childhood. I get it. Um, I wouldn't discourage you from doing the research and going down the path. But if you want to really improve your mental health, that's not going to do very much. Uh, you might you might go to somebody that does EMDR or trauma specialist. How long have you been sober now? I'm, I'm pardon me. Say how, that again. How long have you been sober now? Um, June 28th of this year will be two years. Okay. And, and two years is long enough that you can start to do trauma work. You might want to wait until five years. I mean, because trauma can, you know, stir stuff up. As long as, long as your program's solid, it's it reasonable to get a trauma therapist and uh, really begin to dig into this more formally. Uh, EMDR can be helpful. Neurobiofeedback can be helpful. Emotionally focused therapy can be helpful. So you want to, Robert, go to somebody that has trauma specialization. But as you get in... Uh, realize, you know, whatever memories you do have, I don't want to say they're unreliable, but they're unreliable. <laughs> so they, they will they will come forth in whatever the context of the emotional work is now. They may or may not reflect factual e- events. Uh, they're yours, so they're valid and they're important. But I, again, I wouldn't get too deep into other than helping you heal your emotional health and create a good cohesive narrative out of your life. Thanks, Robert. i got to keep moving here. i got a bunch of calls. This is uh, Porter. Hey, Porter. Hey, Dr. Drew. I've been a big fan of yours for many years. Thank you, buddy. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. Uh, I wanted to ask you, I've been dealing with uh, psoriatic arthritis for about 15 years. Mm. I've gone from everything from Enbrel to uh, Humana and whatever the next best drug is. Now I'm on Skyrizi, and it's really helped out with my skin. But the biggest problem I've been having is understanding why my platelet counts are so low. Huh. Um, they hover anywhere between 70 to about 103. Um, and, and this is, and I've been told and this by, is since you've been on these monoclonal antibody medicines these uh, and the tumor inhibitors, whatever, which ones you're on? Correct. Now yeah. I'm on SkyRizzy, which yeah. uh, obviously I've been told that I have a psoriatic arthritis. At one point I had 68% of my body covered in plaque psoriasis, which then also put me in a great depression, and I suffer with anxiety all the time, uh, which I take uh, hydroxazine and uh, boosterol and all that. Um, but it's just one of those things that they don't seem too concerned because they say that the average, or we should be 140 yeah. and above yeah. for, for normal platelets. And um, I'm, not, I'm curious if it's because of these um, drugs I'm taking to help. Oh, I'm with sure. The... I'm sure it's a side effect. But but you don't worry about platelet counts. I mean, you, I'm sure they watch it, monitor it, and if there are any other bloodlines affected. In other words, if you start to get neutrophil deficiencies or lymphocyte deficiencies, then they're going to kind of pay more attention. And they and they are platelets and those white cells are related in terms of how they're developed and produced. <laughs> but as long as it's just the platelets, you really don't worry about the platelets till it gets down below twenty thousand. You're not okay. Well, they yeah. told me is because I just had surgery. I detached my bicep from my elbow, oh, so they Jesus. had to oh run all kinds of 
blood test through my uh, hematologist, and yeah. they were almost on the verge of having to give me a platelet infusion in order to get through the surgery. Right. I was going to uh, say that's well, a different issue, right? If you so that what they would do is I, I'm, we don't worry about platelets below tw- until they're below twenty thousand. But if you need a surgery, that's kind of a different situation. So what they should do is do something called a bleeding time, which I'm sure they did, to see okay. if the platelets are functioning adequately for a surgical procedure. And they can always give you platelets if you need it. It's not that big a deal. They don't last okay. for they don't okay. last very long, but it'll get you through a surgery, and then you don't have to worry about it after that. But of anything that you've read, is there a correlation between all of these uh, things I'm taking to suppress my immune system? Obviously, except yeah. now with the COVID, and I'm really at a high risk. I mean, I turn fifty next week, and that's uh, a, that's a, actually a bigger concern than the platelet count. Right. Yeah. Right. Well. Uh, well, I appreciate it, sir. I've been right, wanting buddy. to talk to you for a while, and uh, thank you. And you bet. If there's I, anything dietary, do you think I could? No, I mean, no. Are these are – you were on some very powerful medicines, and I'm sure it's the medication. And, you know, remind yourself, you know, it's it's inhibiting the immune system in protein and, you know, non, non-organic ways. You know, you're really altering the immune function. So it makes sense that, you know, there would be other sorts of potential – uh, influences and effects outside of the desired effect. I mean, that's the way all medicines are, right? Uh, this is why with biology, you can't just tell a story, and, you know, a, a chemical story and go, well, that's going to be it. That's how it's going to work in the body. You have to do it in biological systems. And every biological system is so complex and so different from one another that, of course, things go wacky one way or another and you have side effects. That's why that side effect list on every medication package insert is 10 miles long. It's not just the lawyers they're treating. It's the reality of medication. All right, buddy. Thanks, Porter. i got to keep going here. Um, this is uh, Julia. Hi, Julia. Hi. Hey. These are quite the questions to follow. Good times. <laughs> um, so my question is, if someone has had pretty bad mental issues in the past and then they're starting to get better, is it um, okay to kind of feel a kind of loss? <laughs> Or like feel a longing for those kind of familiar feelings, even if they're bad. So, so I have a really kind of it's a great and really interesting question, Julia. And, and thank you. Yeah, and, and I, 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 I want to go at it from multiple different angles. One is, and this is something no one ever talks about. I brought it up before, but no one really they don't go with it. And your your question sort of helps me re- refocus this issue and maybe make it more vivid for people, which is when you go into real good mental health treatment, like you're really in deep, transformative kinds of experiences with a therapist, part of that experience, if, you, if you're actually changing, is grief. Because you're literally a part of yourself, you're losing a part of – this is why we resist change. A part of yourself yeah. is is dying in a sense to transform into this yeah. new self. When I was in therapy, I, I swear I was in – when I looked back, I told my therapist, I, I said, I think I've been depressed for the last three years. I think I've been in a grief reaction. And she goes, yeah. And there's actually theorists that call it grief uh, depressive position. Like you're looking at yourself from a depressed position. But I, I experienced it more as grief and loss as I morphed into something a little different. And so th- your question makes sense to me, A, from that perspective. Um, the other is you're very young. You're 18, right? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, COVID. Um, the, does that, does the, that give you a reaction, just the youngness? Yeah, maybe. It's just whenever I get 
heated. It kind of wears me out. But but uh, <laughs> when you're younger with a lot of these um, more dramatic kinds of symptomatologies, they can yeah, serve – Yeah, everything's the end of the world. Yeah, they can serve a function. They can get you good things from the world sometimes and they can be positively reinforced and they can even get you high in some situations depending on your your biological construct. Uh, and so, yeah, it's not that uncommon for people to miss bad feelings. My question for you is do you think your personality is changing in the process of your treatment and that's kind of what you're missing or is it just the drama or the high or all of the above? I don't know. I think maybe it's a combination of all three. I don't think my personality is changing that much. I think I have a pretty good uh, hold on who I am, uh, thankfully. Well, I'm not, not changing um, who you are so much as, you know, the way you process emotions or the way you think of stuff, you know? Yeah, gotcha. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of nice to uh, hear that there's a reasoning behind feelings. Well, a lot, a lot of people don't talk about it. The only people that ever talk about it are bipolar manics who miss their highs. They will always talk about oh. it. Was, oh, great. Was, was that you? Awesome. No, yeah. I don't think so. No, I didn't think I didn't think so either. That's why I found your question kind of unique and interesting because people normally don't experience so clearly uh, what you're what you're describing. So keep an eye on it. I'll be very interested to hear how it evolves and stuff. To me, really, when I hear stuff like this, I just think, oh, you're doing you're doing the work. You're getting good treatment. You're changing, and that's that's oh, heck yeah, yeah. That, so that's to me a really great sign. So good for you. Thank you so much. All right, Joe, you got it. Bye. As a leader in the CBD industry, Hemp Fusion is committed to providing high-quality, THC-free CBD oil products. Whether your New Year's resolution is gunning for a raise or an Olympic gold medal, you need to stay on top of your game. You can do so with Hemp Fusion. So many world-class professional athletes turning to Hemp Fusion. You can be sure you're getting a safe, clean product. From tinctures to topicals to capsules, they've got something for everyone. They sent me a beautiful box of tinctures and topicals. I've used them all. To make it even easier to accomplish your New Year's resolution, Hemp Fusion is offering my listeners 20% off your purchase when you use the promo code DREW at checkout. Again, that promo code is D-R-E-W, hempfusion.com, promo code DREW for 20% off your order of premium CBD oil products from Hemp Fusion. This is the second iteration of Audio Up's In Hell franchise. The first iteration, Halloween in Hell, is the most downloaded scripted musical podcast of all time. Features a spooky holiday story alongside brand new music from today's biggest hit makers and social media stars. Stars Jaden, Oliver Tree, Ian Dior, Carly Hansen, plus Femme, and Adam Kroll as the devil. Features music from Jaden, Ian Dior, Carly Hansen, Femme, and Tyler Posey centers on the pressures and expectations of Valentine's Day with a satirical view of social media influencers, hype houses, and 80s and 90s teen horror flicks. The devil turns to TikTok to find a next crop of superstar souls stumbling across the feed of Jason Extra. Oliver Tree leads a team of demon hunters to retrieve the clueless Jason from Devil's Clutches, four episodes leading up to Valentine's Day, plus two BTS episodes. First episode drops Wednesday, February 10th. Listen to Spotify, Apple, Podcast, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, this is uh, Josh. What's going on, Josh? Hey, Dr. Drew. Um, I had a question that I wanted to run by you. Um, I think about 
things like racism and mental health all the time. And I wanted to know if you thought that racism was a mental health issue. Uh, I've heard two, both sides amazingly have said no, and then they said, they've said yes, essentially. <laughs> well, it, 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 um, it certainly is part of a mental health syndrome sometimes. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, it can be a symptom, right? It can be part of a symptomatology. And I've seen people get better and then go, whoa, what the hell was I thinking? You know, that's crazy. So that's, it is a symptom. Well, it, is a it can symptom. be a symptom. But, okay. but, but if, you, if you construct it as a mental health issue, I think you're missing a lot of the problem. Right, I think you're right. missing right, and, and so so I think that's why people push back on it and go no 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 I don't want to look at it that way and, and, it, and you do you can go down a crazy rabbit hole too. Uh, well, how do you approach it? Do you look? Do you construct it as a mental health issue yourself? I well, when I see when I see overt racism, I always wonder like anti-Semitism. White yeah, supremacy. I always wonder what that, you know, what that is and what's wrong with those people. But sometimes people are filled with health, hate and this part of their personality construct. And that's not necessarily mental health that it's, it's, it's more, you know, uh, spiritual philosophical. And, and, you know, that, that for sure is part of the story too. But, um, when you start saying, Oh, racism is a mental health issue. It suggests it could be quote treated, and, and that's another place where people want to push back on it, which I don't blame them. Yeah, so, I mean, you'd have to put it in a DSM. Yeah, I mean, no, no, no. Not, yeah, no, that's no. Crazy. Well, that's a diagnosis yeah. then, and I, and I don't think anybody's going to call it a diagnosis. I, I think I think okay. when people get paranoid and hateful and manic and all kinds of other crazy things that we, women, our brains get into, they can glom on to horrible thinking, and that happens. Um, right. But well, that, what about like people who are so upset by it, they're at their wit's end, they're, they're victims of it. I mean, you could see why they would think it would be a mental health issue. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they're projecting their own experience. Well, or it's, or it's causing, causing mental health issues, right? Yeah, Which is, yeah, exactly. I, I think you'd find more people sort of accepting that idea. And that's another totally viable position, which is I'm depressed because I'm dealing with the, you know, or or – I'm traumatized, whatever it is, that definitely figures in there. But again, that's a part of the story. It's not the whole story. I, Josh, am more interested these days in what we are calling white supremacy because that to me is – that's more the last vestiges of racism. And I think we have not yet come to a common understanding of what people are talking about when they say white supremacy. Yeah, so I just thought of this – I, I do a podcast. I did recently. I did a podcast on racism. Yeah. But the right, white supremacy thing is almost like a white bias. In other Correct. Words, I, I agree racist. with you. I agree with I'm, you. I'm, I'm biased for white skin. It's, it's a co- right. It's a cognitive it's bias. It's a cognitive bias. Yes. And, and yes. I think when people talk about it in the news, they think they're talking about skinheads, which they they are not. No one's talking about skinheads right now. They exist, but that's what we're talking right. about. We're, I think everyone has a white bias. In this, well, in this everyone, no, we, but yes, and everyone has cognitive biases of all types, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I can only share with you the scales fell from my eyes when I read multiple Frederick Douglass's speeches, and he talks about it in such clear, uh, uh, easy to digest sort of way. And it it came through to me when he started. He made a point about Abraham Lincoln being a white being a white supremacist, and I was like, "What? What? Abraham? What?" I was like, "What? Am I Abraham Lincoln?" And I kept reading the speech. And I thought, "Oh, I, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't I didn't see what I you're he's 
He's a hundred percent right. That that is that cognitive bias towards essentially you can you can whitewash it so to speak with the perceptions, but more importantly, it's perspectivalism. It's a certain perspective that doesn't take into account, for instance, an African-American perspective fully into their point of view, which can never happen, of course, but it's sort of ignored right? and, and sort of given um, – it, it's given uh, – it's dismissed as oh, – no, I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. But you don't really realize that your perspective – is perpetuating something more subtle and more difficult to get rid of, and not that hard if you are just creating awareness about it. Here's what I don't understand the most, Josh: Why aren't we talking about it more explicitly? Why are we letting it go out as oh, it's just the skinheads yeah, out there? Think, Why don't we talk the about it more detail? Don't have who's who's going to talk about it? I mean, well, here we are. I, I've been kind of talk about it, but we're two you know, white guys. I assume you're a white yeah. guy. Yeah. So yeah. so. Yeah. I would. I love nothing more than having my mind changed. So, Gary, I would love to have a guest. You know, someone that can help me manage that. I mean, I don't have enough. I can put you in. I can. I can sort of send you in the right direction. There is a psychiatrist named Fannin, S A N N O N. S S. Black. Yeah. S is in Frank. A N N O N. Okay. Fannin. Okay. I think his first name was France. I think it's Franz Fannin. Okay. And he was a psychiatrist that was very strong, very brilliant psychiatrist. Yeah, black psychiatrist who talked about these things. All right, who wrote well, about them. is he is he around now? Can I talk to him? No, person? but oh. th- that's what I'm saying. It'll point you in the right direction to maybe get a guess. Okay. Um, I feel like you w- you might want to talk to the British psychoanalyst who lives in Britain uh, named Adam Phillips. Okay, he Adam just, Phillips. Uh, you know who I'd like yeah, to get, Gary? Yeah, go ahead. I I'd like to get Angela Davis. That would be a triumph if I could talk to her. Uh, she's wrote a book called Women, Race, Class, I think it's called. And I've read about half of it. Uh, and it's insightful. It it's, it's, reminds me of some of Frederick Douglass's insights. And so I, I thought, boy, she'd be great. All right, Josh, I'm going to keep moving. Thank you Thank so much. Thank you very buddy. much. All right, you got it. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. That'd be pretty cool if we could get her. I mean, she's she's an academic now, I think, at Berkeley, I think. But I, I don't know if she does interviews or what, what her deal is, so... Okay. Uh, Jack, what's going on? Hey, good afternoon, Dr. Drew. Good Quick question. Yep. With uh, all the COVID cases, yeah. what's the likelihood that a teenager, 20-something or 30-something, would see long-term side effects like scarring, heart issues, yeah. um, morbidities related the, to the virus overall? The, yeah, the unfortunate answer is we don't know. Uh, and not enough attention has been directed to the morbidity and injury of this illness. We've been so focused on fatalities. Um, I do... Whenever I bring up long-term uh, symptoms uh, on social media or otherwise, people always pour in with stories about 20 and 30-year-olds that are still having symptoms. So clearly it happens. Um, my guess is because it can be typically so mild, the incidence is probably rather low. But even if it's 5 percent, I mean that's a that would be a significant thing if that's true. And the question still remains, you know, the follow-on history, question that would be, well, how long is it going to last? And do, do they have permanent changes and blah, 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 blah. We don't know. Uh, I, I can tell you I've got a lot of that stuff I'm experiencing and I wouldn't have wanted to experience it in my 20s and 30s. It would have been disabling and confusing too because uh, it's it's sort of uncanny a lot of it. You just want to rest all the time. I'm having weird personality changes. Just It's like a head injury. That's what it feels like. Now, good thing about head injuries is things do typically get better 
but you can have long-term stuff from it. You can. And then you asked about scarring. That is the other question. You know, how much of the lung effects are, are permanent? How much is a scar that is significant or not significant? And I don't think we have that data yet. Do you think that um, the, the vaccination, it does help with the morbidities, but do you yeah. think it would help eliminate them or just decrease them as a total? Again, you're asking – you're, people are asking these questions. These are important and great questions. Uh, my hope is it eliminates it, right? Uh, but we're not vaccinating that age group yet. And it's going to be a long time before we do. And I'm going to I'm going to say that most people in that age group are probably going to wait for the more traditional vaccines like the Johnson & Johnson, maybe the Novavax vaccine, that kind of stuff, uh, which may not be coming until the summer. Uh, in the meantime, we'll be seeing lots of stuff. A lot of the endpoints in the studies on vaccines are prevention of severe COVID. So they aren't saying prevent any infection. They aren't saying prevent injury. They're looking at the endpoint of prevention of severe COVID. But now that we're vaccinating on a large-scale basis, we're seeing that it mostly prevents COVID syndrome, whether it prevents all, any and all infection and thereby it prevents uh, spread of somebody who's been vaccinated. That's coming next, and we'll see. So all your questions are great. Um, my sincerest hope is it prevents all this. I, if I had to bet, I would say it mostly prevents it. That's my bet. Uh, so I'm looking for, and I may be, I may, you know, we've been talking about biases. I have an optimism bias. This virus could mutate and come back and be a real pain in the ass this summer. We'll see. Okay, Jack. Well, I appreciate. Yeah, I appreciate your insight. Thank yeah, you. Thank you. Great question. Well, we're here today to talk about uh, aging. I don't know if everyone loves talking about that topic, but uh, I suggest you pay attention to it. And we talk about aging. We're really talking about our cells. And the cells are what age becomes senescent. Uh, and there are things now we can do about that. My guest is Dr. Noel Reed, board-certified family medicine physician, consulting physician for Celtrient Cellular Nutrition. Dr. Reed, welcome. Thank you, Dr. Drew. Thanks for having me. So I know people are very focused on looking and feeling num- uh, younger, but you know when you think about wrinkles and our hair and all the things that decline with the aesthetics, really we're talking about our cells. That's where the aging occurs. Exactly. So you make an excellent point. I think that's where we focus initially is our aesthetics, right? The wrinkles that set in, the gray hair that comes in, the sagging skin, maybe that we're not moving as fast as we used to five, 10 years prior. But aging starts from the inside out. It starts at the cellular level. Um, And so if you can imagine, as we get older, our cells do too, then they don't tend to function as well. And that's what we refer to as age-associated cellular decline or AACD, which is the time-related deterioration in the way that our cells function as we age that we typically see in our early 40s and it accelerates as we get into our 60s. And one of the main aspects of AACD can be traced back to the mitochondria. So do you remember what that is, Dr. Drew? Oh, yeah. yeah. So these are the the energy plants. These are how we create energy in the cell. It's where we get our ATP from. Yep, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. So these are energy producers. They are the power plants, the powerhouses of the cell and responsible for producing more than 90% of the energy that the cell needs to do its work. Um, remarkably, we have about 100,000 trillion mitochondria, which is approximately 10% of our body weight. Um, and AACD encompasses declines in these power plants. So over time, the key natural processes become less efficient at the cellular level. And this can contribute to physical things such as fatigue, decreased um, muscle stamina, decreased or impaired immunity. And so how does Celtriant do so? 
Well, by using a cellular uh, nutrient. So um, there's a, an entire product line actually with Celtrian where it focuses on really three aspects of um, age-associated cell, cellular decline, and that being lack of energy or decrease in energy, decrease in muscle strength, and impaired immunity. And so there's three key nutrients that it includes, and that being nicotinamide riboside, urolithin A, and glycine plus N-acetylcysteine to help combat the key sources of AACD. And we will talk specifically about each of those products on in later conversations. But for now, if you're interested, go to Celtriant.com for more information. You can take a short quiz under Find Your Celtriant tab, discover which Celtriant products fit your needs. Use code DRDREW10, Dr. Do10, and you will get a 10% discount. Dr. Reed, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Uh, John, what's going on there? Um, yeah, so hey, first of all, I love your show. You guys make my, uh, you and Adam Kroll make my workouts and my drives much better, so thanks a lot for that. I pl- appreciate um, it. High praise. High praise, sir. <laughs> so, hey, I'm, my, I'm, I'm in California, uh, specifically in the East Bay, and because California is such Nazis, uh, they <laughs> pretty much outlawed all kids' sports, mm-hmm. you know, because kids, because uh, so many kids are dying of COVID, right? Yep. Um, but um, they pretty much outlawed it, so me and a bunch of dads have organized our own thing. We, can, we, we did soccer for a while, and now we're doing outdoor basketball. Uh. Um, and occasionally we get, like, these do-gooders. I shouldn't say do-gooders. I should say people that are scared of their own shadow, you know, asking us what we're doing, reminding us that there's a pandemic. Um, and it'd just be good if I could share some information with them, you know, along the lines of, and just for my own knowledge, like, you know, that why kids aren't getting it, if you have any information on that, or why kids aren't really spreaders, from what I've read, they aren't. I was right. just wondering if you had any information on that, you know, so I could have that handy. Um, go check out the work of Phil Kerpen, K-E-R-P-E-N, I think he spells it. <clears throat> he actually, if you follow him on Twitter, he has all the data in there. You can sort of scroll down and find where he has some of the actual what's he, that he's at k-e-r-p-e-n on yes, twitter that's true thank you at k-e-r-p-e-n and uh he's got the actual graphs and data and, and quantitative material up on, on there because <clears throat> he's been very concerned about this since the beginning but the fundamental observation is that not only do they not seem to have the effects of the virus they don't have the ace2 and his uh, receptor that allows the virus to get in significantly so they actually can't get the infection now, could they harbor it in their nasopharynx and spread it? There's all kinds of concerns about that. And yeah, kids can spread it. Uh, they, they can. Very low risk, but they can. Uh, so what? Do you, do you guys wear masks on the sidelines? Do you and your... Nah, I'm not, not, not as much as we probably should. That would be the only rational thing. Uh, the other mm-hmm. rational thing to do is, you know, get the vaccine and just say, don't worry about it. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, if I if you get it, you get it. And uh, I'm not interacting with anybody else. I'm wearing my masks religiously and let the kids uh, – the, the effects on – the other thing that Kirpin has this data up there too, the effects on child development, child mental health, child physical development by withholding all these critically important participations – I mean, there was a data. There was data out of Stanford this morning that predicted tens of millions of deaths as a result of this. Now they were mostly talking about poverty, but the effects on the development of an entire generation. This has been the largest human subject experiment without consent that we've ever done in human history. So yeah. we'll, we'll see. Interesting. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it's cr- 
anecdotal, but it, but, uh, you know, some of the kids that we, that, that have come out, you know, they weren't doing soccer and then they came up with basketball and we see some of these kids, like some of these kids that were really good athletes in really good shape, they're fucking fat. And the kids that, that weren't other wouldn't otherwise be fat. It's, it's just it's weird with seeing like well, that's that surprising. Seeing that. and then and the other the other they're, aspect we see when these kids come out they're depressed. I don't know if you're interested in this. They're but depressed. They they dude they're not yeah they're that but the, as soon as they get out and they interact with these other kids like their mood just changes like that. It's like flipping a switch. They just yeah. they go crazy because they because they haven't had any any kid interaction. So it's it's been interesting to see. I found this guy on Twitter, so so I certainly appreciate that. I do have one more COVID well, let me just, uh, let me, related question. Okay, but one second. The, the other thing is. People are people okay. are now looking at this present outbreak, going, "See, we got it under control. We did all our things." Wherever you look, the virus followed the same pattern. Whether there was lockdowns or no lockdowns, or distancing or masks or anything, the virus did what the virus was going to do, and that's one of the things that we may learn about this virus: that it just does what it does. We can kind of slow it down, but we can't change its ultimate trajectory and course. Which is kind of interesting if that's in fact the case. Now, I'm a mask advocate. I'm a strong mask advocate. I think we should do – I have a thing called halodyne I work with, which is getting uh, povidine in the throat, nasopharynx. It's, it's like a mask, but it knocks the virus out. Just do everything you can to reduce the risk. You don't want this thing. Trust me. You don't want it. It's not any fun. Yeah. Uh, but to also cause severe harm to a developing uh, population is anathema. It just really disturbs me. And finally, I've heard some people say, well, let's get back to school once we get the teachers vaccinated. And then a couple of teachers unions pushed back and said, no, not until all the kids are vaccinated. The children are not going to receive the vaccine. We'll, we may take it down to age 12. We will not be vaccinating six-year-olds. That will not happen. So get used to it that children are okay, so okay that it's not even worth the risk of vaccination. Pretty much everyone is in that camp. Now, I don't know if it's going to stay that way or not. Maybe they'll one day bring the vaccine down to younger age groups. But right now, the prevailing wisdom is no. You have another well, question. Don't you, think the teachers, don't you think the teachers are doing that, though, just because they had this confirmation bias working where they, they just like working from home? So they're well, looking for any any anything to, to make it so they don't have that's to go what, back. That's what Adam would say. I'm I'm not even taking a position on it. I'm just saying let's be rational, mm-hmm. vaccinate the teachers, let's go back to school, period. You have another question? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I look at the numbers from the CDC, and I'm, and I'm very curious about this stuff, like how, how bad is this virus, right? Yeah. Because cable news is going to try to scare the shit out of you, and yeah. it's hard, hard getting reliable information. So I look at the, the, the numbers, and it looks like in, in 2020 – about 3.1 million Americans died, right? Yeah. And in 2019, about 2.8 million um, Americans died, which would imply that, you know, 300,000 X, well, not imply, but it said, would explicitly say that 300,000 extra people died this year than last year, Yeah. Uh, which is an approximate number of people that died from COVID. What I don't understand is when you look at the people that died from COVID, it seems like 90% of them are over the age of 75 and a lot of them have comorbidities and problems, Correct. right? True. That seems like a population that otherwise would have died in twenty in twenty twenty without COVID, regardless of COVID. So it seems I'm wondering if those numbers three point one million, if that those are just estimations and they're not well, the, the full baked in numbers, and it might come down. Or yeah, you that, see my uh, question, my, my dilemma. Yeah. So what you want to look for is called excess deaths. We we have had ex- right. excess death defines a pandemic. We are in a pandemic. There are okay. excess deaths. What's interesting about this pandemic is. The predominant population represented in those excess deaths may be people who are going to die in the next one or two years anyway. 
So you would expect, yeah, to, yeah, exactly. Okay, so what you'd expect to see is in 2021, 22, a drop down below baseline, below that 1.9, oh, okay. right? So, and, yeah. and and it's it's going to be the nursing home patients predominantly in that in that reduction because nursing home patients, the average life expectancy after admission is six to eighteen months, which is why I've been screaming about vaccinating the 65-plus group because 65-plus out in the world, A, they're out in the world, so they're likely to get this thing. B, they have the most years of life left. They're not 6 to 18 months. They're 10 to 20 years, Mm. and those are quality years, not decaying in a nursing nursing home. I also think it's an opportunity to talk to your family about do you ever want to be in a nursing home? I don't ever want to be in a nursing home. Once you need institutional support – that is not living, personally, for me. I want to get what's called palliative care at that point at home. Let me go. If I need somebody, two people to turn me, if I'm so neurologically deteriorated I can't feed myself, let's let it go. Let's not spend another year or two in an institutional environment. Let's go. Let's let, let it go. And you should be talking to your family about it because by the time you're that impaired, you can't represent yourself, right? Uh, yeah. I appreciate that. It's too late. My dad's yeah. already in that situation. He's not in a nursing home, but he had a stroke ten years ago, and he's at a, he's at that situation at my home. And we're trying to get him the vaccine because if he gets it, he's dead. Yep. And he's on it apparently two weeks from now. But All hey, right, man, yeah. I've taken up enough of your time. I really right, appreciate uh, you. your show and, and your advice. Thank All you. Right, buddy. Thanks. Very well done. All right, everybody, that about does. I really appreciate We've been having great calls lately. I really do appreciate the calls that have been coming in. They've been very interesting. I've enjoyed interacting with them. We're cutting it a little bit short today, but that's okay. We're going to move on, and uh, we'll see you next time. For calling times and topics, follow the show on Twitter at Dr. Drew Podcast. That's D-R-D-R-E-W Podcast. The music from today's episode can be found on the swinging sounds of the Dr. Drew Podcast, now available on iTunes. And while you're there, don't forget to rate the show. The Dr. Drew Podcast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana and Gary Smith. For more information, go to drdrew.com. All conversation and information exchanged during the participation in the Dr. Drew Podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes. Only. Do not confuse this with treatment or medical advice or direction. Nothing on these podcasts supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your medical caretakers. Although Dr. Drew is a licensed physician with specialty board certifications by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Addiction Medicine, he is not functioning as a physician in this environment. The same applies to any professionals who may appear on the podcast or drdrew.com. Support for this podcast comes from Pluto TV. Need an escape? Drop into Pluto TV for a world of free TV. Stream hundreds of channels and thousands of movies and shows all for free. Yeah, free. No subscriptions, no fees. Imagine 24-7 channels of Narcos, CSI, Star Trek, Survivor, and everything else from hit movies to binge-worthy TV shows, the latest news, live sports, comedy, and more. What are you waiting for? Download the free Pluto TV app for Android, iPhone, Roku, and Fire TV and start streaming now. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. Within the bowels of hell, the devil scrolls through Instagram and TikTok, looking for fresh souls to enslave. Yo, 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 what's up, my jits? It's your boy, Jaden Extra, here with some... Who are these people? Easy pickings for possession, your lord darkness. They are truly unbearable. I believe they refer to themselves as influencers. Do you have anyone particular in mind? Hmm... Money, money, money! Him! <laughs> My numbers are way down, babe. 
I need to change it up. Didn't you see that Halloween video Machine Gun Kelly made with the devil? He's like huge now, all because he sold his soul to the devil. This could be my big chance. I'm not having this conversation. It's wrong, Jaden, and it's evil. I'm done with the drama, Fem. Just leave, all right? And you're not coming to Cabo with me. I hate you. Hey, y'all, it's Fem. What's up, it's Jaden. What's up? It's Carly Hansen. Hey, y'all. It's Oliver Tree. Yo, what's going on? It's Ian Dior, and we all know Valentine's Day is the most romantic time of the year. Whatever. My friends and I are about to turn the whole holiday upside down in our new scripted holiday series, Valentine's Day in Hell. Are you familiar with the work of Anton LaVey? Is he on TikTok? No, he's not on TikTok. You dumbass. Anton Zandor LaVey. He's the dude who founded the Church of Satan. I'm starting to fear that maybe you're messing with powers that are far beyond your cognitive comprehension, Jaden. I got it, bro. I've seen a version of this movie 20 times. You're like the badass demon hunter, and I'm just some little jit who is messing around with things he doesn't understand. And in the end, I'll get all messed up, and it will be up to you to, like, save me. First, we spent Halloween in Hell. Now, you're invited to be a part of our next musical podcast from our In Hell series. This time around, the devil is playing games with all of our hearts, trying to ruin our Valentine's Day plans by dragging us down to the fiery inferno in the deepest depths of hell. Demons. Place a hood over Jaden and escort him to hell. This is your fault, Oliver. I know Jaden came to you for help. Satan has picked Jaden for some reason. Now it's up to us to make this right. So who's with me? I'm with you, Oliver. I'll go. What about you, sad girl? I'll kill some people if that's what you want. Then that leaves you, Clappy. Call me in, Oliver. Besides, I ain't got nothing to do might as well spend my valentine's day in hell in each episode you're going to hear new original music from artists like ian dior Jaden, carly hansen and me subscribe to the valentine's day in hell podcast for full episodes bonus material and original music this february check out valentine's day in hell brought to you by audio up and podcast one available on apple Podcasts, spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts